Welcome to In the Spotlight, a regular podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Hi, this is Stuart Laundy, and joining me for In the Spotlight this time is folk singer-songwriter Sarah McQuaid, who's coming to the Witham in early May to perform a show. I caught up with her a few days ago in the middle of a European tour. She was actually in Germany at the time. We'll be talking about touring and recording and much more besides, but to get us in the mood, here's the title track of her 2018 album, If We Dig Any Deeper, It Could Get Dangerous. There's a boy in the garden Shovel and a spade. He's gonna dig himself a hole that's the biggest ever made. Boy in the garden, shovel and spade. Biggest hole ever made. I say, I know you're having fun. I don't wanna make a fuss, but if you dig any deeper, get
get dangerous. That was my favourite uh, Sarah McQuaid song there. If we dig any deeper, it could get dangerous. And if you're looking for deep meaning in that song, I don't think you'll find it there. Am I right in thinking that was a song when you spotted your son digging in the garden or something like that? Yeah, um, I was keeping an eye on him out the kitchen window because he was only small at the time and he was digging this massive hole and I suddenly realised I couldn't actually see him. And so I went out and I couldn't see him until I got right up to the edge of the hole and looked down into it. And there he was down there still digging. <laughs> and I said, oh, Eli, if you dig any deeper, it could get dangerous. And as soon as the words left my mouth, I just thought, oh, man, that sounds like a, a song, you know. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and, and a couple of layers of kind of possible meaning did immediately suggest themselves, you know. Um, I mean, I mean, you could you could call it a song about fracking, if you like. <laughs> you could also call it a song about kind of interpersonal relations where sometimes it's good to just if you're getting yourself into a deeper and deeper hole, just stop digging. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of metaphorical content there. But also, I just really loved the phrase <laughs> as soon as I heard myself say it. Oh, but the question that's been on my mind ever since I first heard the album is what was he digging for? I think he was just digging. I think he was just digging. I, I think he just wanted to dig as deep a hole as he could. Funnily enough, he is now studying archaeology. <laughs> Obvious, of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, the reason Sarah joins us on uh, In the Spotlight this time is because you come into the Witham on May the 4th for a show with us. It's the first time for a little while that you've been back in our part of the world, so we're looking forward to that. But um, you've been on tour since uh, October, and I just had a quick count up before you. Um, since the turn of the year, you, you, you're doing about 38 dates in the first three or four months. I mean, good heavens, how do you do it? <laughs> well, I have a rule. I have a rule that I always do. Um, if, if, I, if I've done five gigs in a row, I have to have a, a day off, you know, um, ideally two days off. In fact, right now I'm speaking to you. Um, as we as we chat here from from friends house in Germany, I've been on tour here in Germany for the last three weeks, and it's been a pretty intense tour. It's a the the whole tour is is twenty five shows in four weeks, but we've got three days off now, and I've done laundry today, which is really exciting. I get clean clothes. Have you been on the road for three weeks, living out of a suitcase? Laundry day is such a thrill. It's not exactly all all uh, glamorous tour buses and private jets, then, is it? <laughs> No, <laughs> not by a long shot. What not what 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 does touring Sarah McQuaid style um, look like? I mean, how is it just you on? Is it just you by yourself? Who's who's on tour with you? My wonderful manager, sound engineer, and producer Martin Stansbury is on tour with me, and he also does all the driving, which is fantastic. We tour in his band, so we carry PA with us a lot of the time. A lot of the gigs we do, we have to. There isn't PA already installed. I do a lot of concerts in places like churches and village halls, and you know, community centers, and so on, where we have to. Um, load in all our own PA. So I help carry in and out the PA. So <laughs> there again, it's it's not really glamorous. You know, I'm 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 just walking back and forth, you know, lugging uh, speakers and <laughs> amps and so on. Um, oh, well. But it's you know it's 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 grassroots and I love it. And Martin's great company and he also handles all of the logistics. So I've got all of that off my mind when you know when I'm touring I just ask Martin, you know, what's the schedule for today? <laughs> what time do we have to leave? And he deals with everything else. And, you know, and, and, but then I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the van 
typing away on my iPad, writing emails, trying to book future gigs. So there's all of that too. It's, it's, it's a very, very small operation, <laughs> but I just feel lucky that I get to do it. We're not in any way a political podcast, um, but I note uh, from uh, the dates that you've done so far this year, you've been in Ireland, the Netherlands, Germany, and Denmark. And how how has that? How have you found the actual logistics of getting round in this um, post-Brexit world that we live in? Has it added a lot more um, effort, energy, red tape to what you've had to do? Yes, it has, um, and and it's a real pain, especially because it's really just red tape. It's what I had to do in order to be able to tour in the EU, because there's a border now, is to have a document called a carnet. All the carnet is, is a big long list of everything that I'm taking out of the country and I'm going to take back in again. It's basically, it's just to prove to the customs authorities that I'm not bringing stuff out to sale you know, to sell in another country, and that when I bring it back into the country that I haven't bought it, I'm not importing it, I'm not exporting it, it's just all temporary. But in order to have this, you have to pay a great big fee, um, it cost me just under £400, um, which is a big expense when you're touring at a grassroots level like me. And we had to have a list of every single item. You have to have serial numbers of every kind of piece of electrical equipment you have. And it all has to be listed on there. And of course, there's a worry if, for example, we had to replace an app. So the serial number isn't going to be changed. Now, so far, nobody's gone to the effort of checking serial numbers. It's the same thing, just a different thing of the same thing yeah. but you know we could potentially be in trouble because we had to replace an app and it's got a different serial number now that kind of thing it's just but it's just and then, and then what you have to do everything takes longer because when you um, are getting the ferry for example from Harwich to Hook of Holland you have to stop you have to go to the customs office in Harwich along with all the lorry drivers, drivers and everybody and hand over your carnet and they have to go through and well, theoretically, again, it hasn't happened. Theoretically, they could ask us to empty out the van and verify that we are indeed carrying two speakers to, you know, everything. Thank heavens that hasn't happened. They just go, yep, yep, music equipment, sign, stamp. Then when I get off the ferry in Hook of Holland, I had to go to the Dutch customs authorities and get that signed and stamped and everything. Now, thank goodness, Denmark and Germany are all still part of the EU. So... We didn't have, which we would have had back in the 1970s, you would have had to go through that process on every border you crossed. Customs authorities on both sides going through the document and signing it and stamping it and keeping a copy for themselves. Um, but, you know, it's extra work for the customs people too. And then we've got to do it again on the way back. Um, so it, 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 sounds, yeah. it sounds like a great frustration. It, it's a huge, immense frustration. It costs money, it costs time. And it's also a big waste of time for all the custom staff who have more important things to be doing than worrying about me carrying a bit of PA and some instruments out of the country and bringing them back again. That is really not what they're there for, you know. <laughs> so, having having finally made it across to uh, to mainland Europe, how have you found the the gigs, the audiences? Have people been turning out? Because um, when when lockdown lifted and everything, of course, there was. Um, uh, a, a lot of hesitancy, I think, amongst people about um, turning out to gigs and, and attendances were down and it's a, you know, it continues to be a bit of a worrying time, both for artists and venues. So how, how are things on the continent? How have you found things? 
On the continent, it's been amazing. It's it's the first tour I've done since the pandemic where I'm actually getting proper audiences, proper full houses. Well, that's not true. I've done I've had some well-attended gigs in the UK. I had a sold-out show at the Bridge in Topsham um, back uh, in uh, in when was that in in November, um, I think. <laughs> losing track but but uh but anyway um yeah i've had you know i've had some well-attended gigs in the uk but they are very much the minority um for the most part on my uk touring it's it seemed like audiences really aren't quite ready and from what i hear encouragingly i guess what i'm hearing from the venues here is that these shows that I've been doing on this tour have for the venues here actually been the first well-attended shows that they've been hosting. Um, you know, I've, I've been going to places and getting 70 people and then being told the last concert they did had 17 people. Yeah. So that's really encouraging. I don't know whether it reflects increased profile for me over here i don't know whether it reflects the fact that i just haven't toured here in a few years and maybe people want to come out and see me or i don't know whether it reflects a larger thing that's happening with people actually being starting to feel okay about coming out to concerts again i really hope it's the latter because it would be really nice if that continued across to my April and May gigs in the UK, including the Witham, of course. It would be really nice <laughs> to get a good audience at the Witham. I would love that because it's a gorgeous space and I, I've played there before and I can't wait to come back. And it would just be so lovely if people turned out to see me in the kind of numbers that they've been turning out to see me here in Europe. Well, just pause there. Um, we're going to play a track now from your most recent uh, release, which was the St. Burian Sessions. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, here's a track from the album, which is called What Are We Going To Do? I didn't know that kiss was coming I guess I could have started running Soon as I saw what you Worth thinking It serves me right I shouldn't have been drinking But anyway You did So let's Consider What are we gonna do About it This little thing that you And me have started Right now, 
So I'm, I'm chatting to uh, Sarah McQuaid, who's uh, this week's guest on In the Spotlight, the Witham podcast. And uh, Sarah's coming to the Witham on Thursday, May the 4th at half past seven. Get your tickets. I'll give you details uh, at the end of the podcast of where you can get them from. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit now about Sarah's most recent uh, release, which was something rather special, which was done in lockdown, the St. Burian Sessions. Um, it's a live recording, but there was no obviously no audience involved. And it's a, uh, I think the best thing to describe, the best way of describing it is it extremely atmospheric would would you would you agree with that yeah I mean, we recorded it in saint burian church hence the saint burian session saint burian is the village nearest to where i live in west cornwall i live kind of in the middle of nowhere but i'm about a mile outside saint burian and there's a beautiful old church there parts of it date back to the 11th century most of its 15th century and it's uh, it's just a gorgeous space. I've sung there a bunch of times. I sing in a few different choirs. Um, I sing in the church choir, and I also sing in a local community choir that holds its re- rehearsals in the church. So I knew what a beautiful space it was for music. And they very kindly allowed me, um, just as we were coming out of lockdown, we had just reached the point where you were allowed to have six people in an indoor space working. Um, that was it, and that was all we needed because we, we we went in there with the film crew. I did a I did a big crowdfunding project, um, which was fantastic. It was so heartening because this is just I, I we had the idea just as we were going into lockdown. I had just come rushing home from what was to have been a European tour kind of on the scale of the one I'm doing now. And in fact, most of the gigs that I've been doing on this tour have been rescheduled shows that were supposed to happen in 2020 and were canceled. So we did that final show in Berlin, um, which I think was the 15th of March, 2020, and then hightailed it home um, before the borders closed. I think we got word as we were on the ferry, we got word that the Dutch borders had just closed. So, so we really, we really got home at the last minute that we could, otherwise we would have been stuck. Um, and, uh, and then we went, what are we going to do? And <laughs> What are we going to do? <laughs> Speaking of the song, and um, Martin, uh, who again is my manager and who produced the Saint Burian sessions, he had the idea of doing a live recording without an audience, and we thought, well, because we'd always wanted to capture some of the the live performances of songs that maybe I'd first recorded years ago, and you know, and had, and that had kind of grown and evolved in the course of performing them live. And we also had a couple of tracks that I hadn't recorded as yet that we wanted to record and, and that we thought would really suit the space. So um, we did a crowdfunder. I hired a wonderful film crew, um, a guy called Morgan Lewis, to uh, actually direct the film. And, uh, and then he had a cameraman with him uh, and called John, 
whose surname I'm temporarily blanking on. Anyway, he's a terrific cat. John Crooks. <laughs> Crooksy. He's a really good cameraman, has worked on has worked as a cameraman on the Eden sessions and places like that. So um knows his stuff. And uh, we and we went in there and we just recorded the album as live. And in addition to close miking me via the PA, Martin also placed little pairs of microphones all around the building to actually capture the natural acoustic of the church itself. So I kind of feel like the album, in a way, it's almost a duet from, with me and the building, you know, where the building is kind of an equal partner in the whole thing. And I'm just so, so happy with the result and really glad that we were able to do it. And the uh, the album's sort of a, a, a career retrospective, apart from a couple of tracks, as you mentioned there. How did you go about selecting um, what to play on the St. Burian sessions? Is it is it a, a, is it sort of representative of your live set? I constructed the set list for the album the way I would construct a live concert set, in that I tried to ensure a lot of variety in terms of playing different instruments, in terms of playing songs with different tempos and moods and paces um and uh you know sad songs happy songs that kind of a thing and um and also i tried to choose songs that i felt would particularly benefit from being re-recorded as i was performing them live and solo like some of them had a quite you know the sun goes on rising acquired a whole extra kind of, I don't know, vocal improvisation section to it um, that wasn't there when I originally recorded it. A lot of songs had changed because I just because I had different instrumentation on the recording. Um, Yellowstone, for example, I didn't play guitar on the original album version of, of Yellowstone on the Walking into White album. I had a I had such a fantastic um, classical guitarist uh, doing kind of flamenco guitar on the album original album version of that track that I didn't feel my guitar was necessary. But of course, then I had to go out and play it on the guitar in performances. So I so I wrote um, a, a guitar a part for it, for my own guitar, kind of based on, on, on what that guitarist was doing, maybe a little less fancy, but still having that kind of flamenco feel. And, and I thought it would be really nice to have that on an album since otherwise, you know, who would, who would hear it? <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it's, it was really nice to be able to kind of set in stone the, the live versions of yeah. some of these songs that had been around for a long time, but but had really grown and evolved since I first recorded them. Well, we'll we'll end there, and we'll end with another track from the St. Burian Sessions. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit. I think this is one of your older tracks, if I if I've got them in the right order here. Charlie's Gone Home. Tell me a little about, a bit about that one. I recorded Charlie's Gone Home on my very first album, and it's funny because um, when I made that first album. I really didn't think of myself as a songwriter. I thought of myself as a folk musician who happened to write an occasional song. Um, Charlie's Gone Home was one of the first songs I ever wrote. And I wrote it uh, back back when I was still living in the States, actually. And it it, it was it's kind of one of those songs I I read a uh, or no, I saw I saw uh, an interview with a poet in which she was talking about creativity and how, and she said she saw poems as being kind of like trains that came along and hit her. You know, she would feel a poem coming on, and she'd have to rush home to be at her desk to be there when the when when the train pulled into the station and the poem hit her. And and Charlie's Gone Home hit me a little bit like that. I hadn't 
I didn't sit down going, oh, I want to write a song. The, the song just kind of came to me and, and I wrote it. And I put it on that first album, even though it didn't really seem to fit very well with the rest of the material, just thinking, ah, you know, I, I've written this song. I may as well put it on the album. And then a lot of people really responded to it. And I'd get, anytime I performed it live, I'd get people coming up to me and saying, what album is, you know, it, can I, have you recorded Charlie's Gone Home? Can I buy that on an album? And, and, and it was that getting that kind of response to it that made me start thinking, you know, maybe the songwriting lark is something I should put more effort into. <laughs> maybe I should actually. So I feel like it's kind of a special song for me because it's kind of the song that, that really got me started on being a songwriter. Well, we'd better have a listen to it then. Sarah, thanks ever so much for joining me. As I mentioned, Sarah McQuaid comes to the Witham on uh, Thursday, May the 4th at half past seven. Uh, you can get tickets from the Witham website, which is www.thewitham.org.uk. And details are always also on Sarah's website as well. Just Google Sarah McQuaid and you'll find her all over the place there. But now we'll leave it uh, with Charlie's Gone Home from the St. Burian Sessions. And our great thanks to Sarah McQuaid. Thank you, Stuart. Charlie's gone home now. I drove him downtown and dropped him off. Sweeping the floors now Changing the sheets and organizing the kitchen And the house is so quiet, it feels so strange Only one hour, everything's changed, it seems so empty Should be relieved that I'm finally 
Charlie's gone home now I drove them downtown Dropped them off at the station I'm sweeping the floors now Changing the sheets and organizing the kitchen And the house is so quiet It feels so strange Only one hour everything's changed It seems so empty for listening to In The Spotlight from The Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Available on all major podcast platforms. So please give us a follow and leave a comment or listen online at www.thewitham.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another episode.